the guys still look tired. But I'm believing that if we share with you what happened there and our heart there, that we'll have a chance to worship together and the Lord will renew our strength and our spirit. Amen? Is that okay? All right. Can you all pray with me? All right. Mighty God, we thank you for the chance to come into your presence. Lord, we don't believe that you are the God over Peru only, but that you are the God over Sugar Land as well. Lord, we fully expect that what happened there happens in this place. We lay our lives at your disposal, mighty one, and say, use us as you please. We lay down every grievance right now. We lay down every heartache right now. In the name of Jesus, our lives belong to you. We ask for your forgiveness, Lord, and we forgive those who have harmed us. Lord, your kingdom, let it come upon us now. In the name of Jesus, let your kingdom come. Amen. So do y'all have a, a moment I can share a word with you? Okay. And then we're going to have some of the guys share a word with you too. Y'all turn to John 16. I asked each of the guys to uh, share tonight what their impressions from the trip were. Next Wednesday, they're going to tell you a whole lot more than that. Uh, but tonight, we just wanted to cover some of the basics. Verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Am I the only one that that pains? Wouldn't you like Jesus to explain everything to you? Come on, y'all talk to me tonight. Even when they didn't understand me in Peru, they responded. I mean, it's, would you like Jacob for Jesus to have sat down and said, Look, Jacob, you're going to wake up on Monday, and here's what's going to happen on Tuesday. And then here's how Wednesday's going to go, and on Thursday you're going to get a snicker blizzard. Isn't that a good day? And after you get the Snickers blizzard, you're going to meet a woman in a red hat. The woman in the red hat's going to get born again. And that's going to set something in motion where across five continents the gospel's going to spread. Wouldn't you like for him to have told you that? Anybody in here would like Jesus to explain the details of their life? I would love it. It turns out that he does it by his spirit. Look at verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you, what's that say? What is yet to come. So we got in uh, in my living room. We began to pray. And the prophecy came forward that there would be a woman in a blue shirt. The person who prophesied it said, I just want to say how awkward that is. And yet, I want to be held accountable. I believe there will be a woman in a blue shirt and two mules will be involved. Who was in my house that night? Raise your hand. Are we lying, or did that happen? Okay, so our very first day, we descend the mountain, which was terrible, by the way. If your legs shake on the way down the mountain, you know that you're in serious trouble. And we're talking about altitudes that are so high your nose bleeds within a few hours of just being there, and you're short of breath. Okay? We're on the way down the mountain, and uh, where Michael was drinking water, I twisted my ankle. And, uh, <laughs> old fat guy, very first day of the trip. Twisted his ankle. Uh, and of course, because we're so humble and full of uh, love, I don't want to tell anybody. Right? I don't want to be the guy on day one that's not going to make it. And I finally got the guys together and we prayed, and it got better every step. It had to. When we crossed that river, we saw a woman named Domitila. And Domitila, we didn't know, but I'm sharing with our guide the story about the woman in the blue shirt. She had two mules with her. So we took that as a sign that the Holy Spirit had spoken in advance. We went to Domitila's house. 
while we were there. We were waiting for her husband, a man named Roy, came in. Within minutes, Roy's repenting. He's on the ground crying for forgiveness. When he was 16 years old, he was called to be a pastor and has walked away from it all of his life. We found the house of peace. We found one man. Now, Roy took us. Has anybody ever had to get a ride to the store or somewhere? What's the furthest you ever had to get somebody to take you? They do, I need a ride. Like, how far are we talking there? Ten miles. Anybody further than that? What, what, what you got? Baton Rouge Fusion. That's, that's kind of a... I mean, you don't ask somebody to say, dude, I need a ride. They're like, no problem. What, to the 7-Eleven? No, no, all the way to another state. That's a big deal, right? What if... You met someone, and within an hour of meeting them, they promised that they would take you for the next seven days with their two mules, lay aside their occupation, lay aside everything else they were doing. They would carry your bags and take you for seven days up and down those mountains we saw. That's what Roy did. And we said, well, how much would that cost? He said, I won't take your money. He said, no, you don't understand. We're going to bless you. He said, then I won't take you. We said, deal. I don't want to take long. Judah's got a word to share. Each of the brothers has got a word to share. I want to tell you this. The necessity of hearing from the Holy Ghost. The brothers that were on the trip to me, when, when, if, if. Matthew's my pastor tonight, and he says, so tell me, Eric, what is it about the trip that impacted you the most? It's that there was not one day where the Holy Spirit failed to show us something that was going to happen that directed our paths. And in every case, there was a time we were preaching, and a man began to shriek and yell, fell on the ground, and demons came out of him. I didn't even have to stop preaching. The brothers who were with me knew what to do. He left filled with the Holy Ghost, restored with God. In fact, Domitila, Roy, those two got right with God. Their two sons got right with God, and their daughter got right with God before we left. And all of those people, they live about as far away as you could drive from here to... Colorado and back. And God orchestrated that we met with every member of that family. Is that amazing? So I'm going to turn it over to Judah for a second. We're going to pass through the mic. And uh, each of these guys has got a scripture for you. Please write them down. Uh, it's important. Then we're going to go to worship. Mine was John 16, 13. Really excited to be back home. You know, it's, it's a good feeling to see all your smiling faces after being gone for so long. Uh, all of us are fresh off the plane this morning. Uh, majority of us has left about two hours, uh, but we're excited to be here. Uh, you could turn to John 4 for me in verse 49. The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, you may go, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. As we're going uh, on the mission trip, we're always thinking of what it is we're going to bring to the people. Uh, what message, what resources, uh, how is it we can bless this people group? Uh, and every time you go, something that you don't really think about while you're doing it, you pick up something along the way. Uh, you know, it's usually different for each man, but you always come back different. You know, with the deposit in your soul. 
Uh, this was a word that uh, one of the brothers preached that was you know, speaking on healing. Uh, and something that stuck out to me was uh, how the man, when he heard Jesus' voice, he took off immediately at the, in the moment he ran and did exactly what Jesus said. Um, the man began to think about an impulsive man, you know, what that means to the world. Uh, when somebody, usually about a young man, would say he's impulsive, uh, it's not a good thing, you know. And, uh, it means that he, he may not think about his actions, he just in the instant goes and does something. Uh, he doesn't count the cost. Uh, and that can get you in trouble in the world. But uh, the Lord's been showing me that there, there's a good use for an impulsive man. The same way that there's a righteous anger, there's there's a righteous impulsive action. Uh, that when you hear the word of the Lord, there's no time to count the cost. There's no time to think about it. Uh, in that meeting, I, I believe it was uh, one of the women uh, got that prophecy, and uh, all of the men heard it. All of the people who were going, we went. One person heard it, but everyone decided to go. You can turn to uh, Acts 16, verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It says, at once, uh, we got ready. So Paul had a vision. One person had a vision from God. Everyone concluded that it's time for us to go. You know, when I think of John 4, it may have been easier if the Lord literally speaks to you, go do this right now. But how many times has that actually happened? You know, the majority of the people in the room, have any of you had Jesus in the flesh stand there and say, go do this? But the majority of you know someone who's heard something from the Lord, you're not sure, you do it scared, you may be going to another country and worried that you're going for no reason. You wasted all of this money, all of this time. But you can see in Acts, later you know, they met Lydia, uh, the man in the prison. Uh, it began to change that nation because one man had a vision. One person had a vision. All of us went. Learning to seek the Lord uh, and act when he says something. If all of us wanted to pray and wait and see if each one of us saw a woman in blue with mules that night, what could have happened? You know, we could have waited around until the moment had passed. Uh, the Lord has been showing me as a young man, as I've gotten the chance to travel around the world, uh, that acting on the impulse when God says it is a good thing. That uh, one person may see it, but we need to learn to take up your brother's vision and go forth with it. Um, if you're in a situation uh, where you don't have anyone around you, where if they said that they heard something from God, you need to be careful. Uh, the, the Lord draws you to other brothers. Uh, it's for a reason. Um, you should be able to surround yourself with people that if any one of them said, I believe we're supposed to go to this country, meet this woman in this canyon and do this, you could trust them. Uh, especially for the majority of us tonight, you know, that's a good thing. When you look around, there's people that you love, and if they said that, you could do it. Uh, and 
and Coffee Canyon were trying to help raise that up. Uh, it'd be easy to overlook Roy. He's just uh, a normal uh, Peruvian. Uh, in the valley, he owns a hostel and rents meals. Um, but the Lord thinks he's special. And he's raising up other brothers around him. I guarantee you when we come back, he will have gone to other villages. And he will be working with Freddie. And he will have raised up brothers around him. Uh, in Acts 13, 22, uh, speaks of David and what pleased the Lord about his heart. Uh, you all know that David had sinned greatly. Uh, you know, the things that he did with Bathsheba. But it says that he's a man after God's own heart. That's uh, because he did what the Lord called him to do. Uh, seems what would uh, make a man worthy to be called a king in the Lord's eyes is if he does immediately what the God, God calls him to do. Uh, and especially just with my personality, uh, you know, I want to wait back and kind of think about something way longer than you should. You know, it, uh, the, the moment can pass way before. Something the Lord's been working on my heart. What pleases Him is if, without thinking about the cost, without doing anything, if He speaks, I run to go do it. So. Amen. Is that a good word? Nolan, with that beard and the tan, you look like the most interesting world in the man. Look, I'm delirious. The most interesting man in the world. I don't always read my Bible, but when I do, it is with El Simhet. So, Brother Brent, would you come on up here? Listen, every day, it wasn't just a woman in, in a blue shirt and two mules. Every day, wherever we went, God gave one of the brothers a word, and it came, came to pass. There's not one village that we stopped in where someone did not get saved, repent, or get healed. Not, not, not one. I mean, how many of us can say in our daily life that we didn't go anywhere today where somebody didn't get saved, repent, or get healed? But when you set yourself aside to do the Lord's work like Brother Brent did, it, it can happen. Well, it's good to be back. Uh, I want to share a scripture with you. It's Romans chapter 10. Verses 14 and 15. And uh, the way it's worded here, it's, um, the point is believing. And Paul says, okay, if the point is believing, then this is the process that needs to take place for someone to believe. So he rolls it backwards and he says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in, and how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard, and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. <clears throat> we went, and we had just one, I mean, all we had was the first step. We knew we were going to meet this lady who, her husband owned a hostel, but David had never met Roy before. We didn't know what kind of man Roy was. We just knew that when we get to the canyon, we're going to show up at this house, and that's as far as, as we got. And we get there, and we find out that this happens to be the man of the peace uh, in the whole area. He's the key. Everybody in every village knows him. Um, even the pastor who had done that work many years ago even said, yes, he would make a good pastor. He's 
pastor. But there was a work that had begun, and it stopped because the feet stopped going. And the Lord so loves these people that he chooses, you know, seven, eight men from the Sugar Land area, in the, uh, this area, and says, I need you to go. These people are praying, and they're crying out. They love me, but they're all backslidden because they're people without a pastor. And so uh, it was amazing to see every step of the way. This town, we found the Lord's will. Then we went into the next town, and we found the Lord's will. Whatever God was wanting to take place in that town, we just happened to come across every time. There wasn't any guessing. All we had to do was walk it out, go with a heart of compassion, and be willing to pray for people. And it was amazing how we met the right people in each town. Um, and then for the night that we were going to curate, nobody even knew what we were going to do in curate. Um, so we just said, hey, you know, David saw it on the map and kind of tugged on his heart, so we're going to go. And curate was the furthest city on the map that we had. <laughs> and so it was a challenge for us to get there. And we finally get to curate, and Eric says, hey, we're going to hold a service tonight. Everybody's going to share. And I'm like, yeah. J.J.? got excited. He's like, oh, I got a word. And Mike says, oh, I know what I'm sharing. And I'm like, oh, I don't have nothing. I'm the only carnal one in the bunch. I don't have nothing to share. I had nothing. I was like, <clears throat> trying to find something to go through. And then I found something that might suffice. And uh, I was really hoping I didn't have to share. But I'll just let my brother share. I got nothing. And then when we found out they had never heard the gospel before. They never, these people never uh, I would, they, you could have told them Bible stories and they wouldn't have known what you were talking about. It was simple stories about Jesus. And so Eric walked up to him and he said, hey, you got to narrow it down to one person sharing. And when he said that, the Lord dropped a message in my heart. And I'm thinking, now how do I go and tell my brothers, grace, graciously, uh, only one of us can share and I think it should be me. Because <laughs> I didn't have anything, but I didn't. I just went and I told I, I told uh, Mike, I said, uh, only one of us can speak. Uh, I said, I got a very simple word. These people never heard the gospel, so, you know, pulling out a lot of scripture may not work. And he looked at me and says, you take this one. I said, okay, let me go to JJ. I said, JJ, only one of us can share. Uh, he said, brother, I just did the worship service. You go ahead and share. I said, okay, I'm going to share. But I shared that Jesus with a group of men just like us went from town town, and sometimes it took them days to walk there. And when Jesus got there, what he did was he looked for the sick, he looked for the hurting, he looked for the dying, and he said, I want to show you my goodness. I want to show you, I want you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Uh, I don't know if this is being recorded or not, but I told Eric, I said, if we would have had that Baptist spirit, we would have wanted to do a quick little, this is faith, and if you want to accept Jesus, come to the front. Like someone would make a commitment to that being completely ignorant. If they did that, if they were e so easy to make that commitment, they wouldn't keep it. They wouldn't even know what we were talking about. We wanted to show them the goodness of God, and that's what the Lord said. He said, look, just give them a sample of the power of my spirit. And look, it'll, somebody will have to come behind you guys later and, and do more work, but just let them taste and see that I'm good. Don't try to 
get them to come to the altar to give their life. I mean, these people have never even heard the gospel before. And so I began to share with them some of the miracles that Jesus did. And uh, I said, when Jesus sent us to do those same miracles, who needs to be prayed for? We prayed for a lady who got healed. And uh, it was just amazing to see that God had a plan, but it took us going. And that scripture says, how will they believe unless you go? And look, I know we can minister at work every day. I know we can minister at the gas stations, but there are some places that we consider the ends of the earth. The reason why is because they're so difficult to get to. Today I was laying in bed and I showed Teresa my feet. I was going to take a nap. I said, look at, I have blisters on top of my blisters. And she reminded me of that scripture. Beautiful feet. Beautiful feet are the feet and the busted knees and the aching back and the twisted ankle. Those that are willing to go share the gospel, because God had a plan, and we just needed to step and walk it out, and it was a blessing to see that. So the Sunday that we left, the message was called Fury, and uh, David called me later that day, and by the way, that morning, there had been a text sent to David that said, uh, to beat your arrows against the ground, which is what the message was about, and I felt like it was a word of God for him. And then I didn't tell him I titled the message Fury. I didn't tell him any of those things. When we got there, he said, Pastor, I just, I don't know what to say, but I have, I have this word on a map that I'm concerned about, and it's Fury. He said, does that mean anything to you? I said, let's call it God, because that's what we preached about uh, in our very last message. So we get there, right? And you have to imagine that you're going to walk for seven hours. Anybody here do Stairmaster? Come on now. Dustin, stand up. Dustin does Stairmaster. Stand up. Dustin, when you do Stairmaster, do you like to do it a long time or a little time? A little. Uh, Dustin, if this was your Stairmaster, and they extended infinitely at this angle for seven and a half hours, would you like to do that? (laughs) Amen. You can sit down. That's what you had to do to get to Fury, about seven and a half hours uh, straight up. All of us, uh, from the youngest to the oldest, uh, were feeling that. Fluid on our knees, all kind of stuff. But when we got to Fury, here's the Holy Ghost again. What do we do? We go to the, uh, what we're calling an inn, is this section of chairs right here with dirt and a tin roof and a woman named Nancy. And we go park at Nancy's house, and we start trying to talk to Nancy. David went to walk around the town, and I kid you not, just like the Bible, down by a river, he meets a woman washing clothes. And when he tells her that we're Christians, and we're here, and we'd like to talk to the town, she said, well, that woman over there has keys to the schoolhouse. Her name was Veronica. And after praying with Veronica, Veronica gave us the schoolhouse. And when we got the schoolhouse, half of the town showed up in the schoolhouse. And when half the town showed up in the schoolhouse, a woman got healed. And they'll never be the same again. Amen? And we got to fix their school. Um, so who is next? JJ, who is now Hota Hota. Hota Hota. May the force be with you, Hota. Hallelujah. Um, I'm going to have two scriptures. Uh, we started out... Uh, Backtrack several weeks ago, 
Um, well, let's backtrack two years ago, about a year and a half ago, when Eric Hurst uh, mentioned the vision for uh, for Peru, for going to Peru. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know what it was. Something jumped inside of me, and and has never left since, and has just stayed with me for for a year and a half now. And so when we actually, and we had moments throughout this year and a half where we thought, oh, this is going to be it. And then we were like, mm, that's not it. You know, and so we're kind of trying to figure out what it is we're going to do, where we're going to go, who we're going to go with. Uh, well, when everything kind of lays its way out six weeks ago, uh, two months ago, however long it was, and we needed a decision, um, you know, we made a decision to go, and that, that seed was still there. Uh, and um, so as we're uh, preparing for the trip, Every time you go on a mission strip, uh, this is just a good thing to have. You always prepare a word. You always have something to bring. Uh, and so as I'm preparing, like, okay, God, I want to I want to bring something. I don't want to be the only one that doesn't bring something. You don't want to be that guy that doesn't have anything to bring. So so I'm, no, so I'm preparing. Uh, as on trips before, and I'm thinking, like, man, nothing is just, like, jumping out in the word. I'm like, what is it? And so I'm thinking about the trip. Okay, we're going to... A, uh, we're going to a lot of barriers, actually. We have a, uh, as we're talking to the missionary more, finding out exactly what the terrain is and what we're going to be doing, we're like, okay, we definitely have a physical barrier. And we're finding out that not only is there uh, a, uh, a Spanish-speaking language that obviously we don't speak very well, uh, there's also a diversion into Quechuan, which even the missionary doesn't speak. He said those like three words. So I'm like, okay, so there's not only a physical barrier, uh, there's also a language barrier. Okay, well, what in the world am I going to bring to these people that's going to, I mean, as a, as, as a man, you just like, you just want to bring it, you know, you just want something, like, this is going to change your life. Uh, and God led me to the scripture, as I was reading, is 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 1 through 5. And uh, it says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Okay, who's speaking this? Paul. Like the most knowledgeable of Scripture of any man at all. But here's a man who lays everything that he's ever studied in his life, ever done in his life. He says, I did not come to you with eloquence or superior wisdom. But he was superior in wisdom. Uh, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. And the way we see Paul speak, he, that's not his personality at all. But that's the way he came. And here's the, the key scriptures. Verses 4 and 5. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And that was the word that rested in my heart that I shared with the men the, day before, uh, the morning before we went down into the valley. You know what? We can... We, we don't go in our own wisdom and our own knowledge. We're going in the Spirit's power. As we're obedient to step, however many thousands of feet, and not fall, but step down the mountain, we're going in power. And a lot of times we were calling on that power for ourselves, honestly, uh, uh, because it was it was hard. And uh, But we were going expecting God to show up. And He did in so many ways. And, and just like Brent was, uh, was talking about, the village in, in Fury, one thing that that, step, that uh, stood out to me personally as we were praying uh, and asking for who wanted people to get healed and who wanted to know Jesus as I'm praying, as I have uh, Isaac, our interpreter, with it, and I'm, I'm praying with a man. Um, 
I really just to know Jesus because I think that's man, that's just so important that you know Jesus and and it's just I mean it's not working out it's just uh, either I'm miscommunicating he's not hearing right the translation something's not working and finally it's just like you know what, I'm just gonna pray for you and we're just gonna whatever God wants to do so I pray for him uh, and I look up and the translator's gone so I'm like I really can't say anything now because the translator's just over here so I'm like, okay so I'm praying for him. Um, and that's the same service where Brent speaks, uh, and um, and the, the woman gets healed. And so we're conversing afterwards. And for me, just to be honest, it's real disappointing because I'm expecting, man, this guy's going to get saved, be with the Holy Ghost, demons are coming out, he's going to get healed. I'm just like, yeah, it's going to happen because I'm expecting the power of God because we've seen it already. Uh, and, and so I'm just like, okay. Well, God, what did, what did we do this for? What did I do? And that's the way I'm personally feeling about this personal interaction. But as we're talking, uh, discussing afterwards, um, I remember back to uh, right after we led, um, we were able to lead some songs with the people. And we were singing uh, Fire Fall Down. We got a translation from the missionary while we were there. Just as songs that we were singing as we're coming into the country. And so, oh, that's the easiest song, so we translate it. And it's uh, Fuego de Dios, it's Fire of God. It's not transliteration, but it's close enough. So we're singing Fuego de Dios at the top of our lungs. Uh, and he brought me back to the moment right after we got done singing. There's probably four years old, maybe, four-year-old little Eric. What's his name? A little Peruvian boy named Eric. Uh, and as uh, the pastor is preaching, uh, he's sitting there singing Fuego de Dios. Fuego, he comes up, Fuego de Dios, I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. And so I'm going back at the time remembering. And we're talking about it, and we're thinking, you know what? What if that is a seed that is planted? And 20 years from now, this little kid is thinking, man, these gringos came, and they're singing about a fire. I really don't know what I'm even singing, but it, it sounds cool because these guys just showed up out of nowhere for, for a day or two, and, and now they're gone. What if it's a seed that's planted? Uh and it's a principle that we found it, and that we find in Zechariah 4, verse 8. You don't have to turn it, you can write it down. But it says, who despises the day of small things? Sometimes we, we tend to overlook those small things, those small seeds, uh, those daily interactions that we have, especially, I know some of you moms, and that are also teachers as well. Uh, and just those small seeds that we plant, we really don't realize. So what if this kid who's singing Fuego de Dios, and honestly, he's probably the most rambunctious kid there, troublemaker kid is running all during service like coming up to see what's going on as we're praying for a lady to get healed he's like poking his head through people's legs and just trying to figure out what's going on what if this kid is a guy that that issues that, that brings in another wave of revival in Colca canyon because there's a seed planted so i want to encourage you don't despise those day of small beginnings those those seeds that we don't even know are seeds sometimes uh just just to be encouraged to, uh, to keep doing what you're doing and, and be faithful in what God's called you to do. And as you step in obedience and step in faithfulness, uh, just know that God's going to use every step and every word that you speak and every seed that you plant, and he's going to change a canyon one day. He's going to change a nation one day because of your faithfulness to him, and he gets all the glory for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Little Peruvian Eric followed us around everywhere and hugged us before we left. And um, I want to tell you that the witness of God in his life is stronger than the witness of God was in my life at that time. You know, by the way, have y'all ever heard of a Hispanic kid named Eric? Ever? 
figure. Uh, Michael, you want to come up here? Devin. Devin did good on this trip, y'all. He did good. Let me say this, too, real quick before Michael begins. One of the things that I was proudest about as a pastor is how well the team did. There were a couple cracks along the way, but none of them came from the members of our team. Not not one. They, they did fantastic. And uh, Buddy might as well be 26 years old because the dude is a horse. Um, I'm glad to be here today because about three days ago when we got a Fury, I didn't think I was going to be back here. <laughs> uh, like Judah was saying, uh, he trusting in his brothers. Well, I was trusting in God because I, um, I, I thought I was going to fall off the cliff or something. But no, God was with me the whole time. And I have a scripture. He gives us uh, strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Oh. It's Isaiah uh, 40, uh, verse 29 through 31. He gives us strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even uh, youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew the st- their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, uh, the, they will walk and not be uh, faint. So, yeah, God was with me. God was with me the whole time, and He gave me strength to go twenty something miles up a mountain that I didn't even know I could do. I couldn't do it without God, and I uh, I thank Him for that. Amen. Me too. Amen. <laughs> Turn with me to Acts chapter two. Verse 42. It's nice to hear English. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They, being the people of God, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders. Miraculous signs were done. Amen. It's been a while, over a decade, since the Lord showed me a, uh, the vision of the uh, church in the book of Acts. And ever since then, I've been running hard after it, wanting to know and wanting to be part of the book of Acts. And I believe that's what we are. Amen. The, ro- uh, the word here that uh, steps, uh, sticks out to me that uh, I want to share with you is uh, devoted. They devoted themselves. This word devotion kept going through my mind. And what you would think on a a mountainside where you're pushed to every physical end that you think uh, that you thought you had in your body, that you don't have no longer. This word devotion keeps keeps stepping out to me. And I'm going, okay, Lord. So what we're doing is we're going in house to house and we're meeting different people. And you're seeing demons cast out. You're seeing people healed in the name of Jesus. And you're walking up mountains. Wait, no, I'm lying. And crawling up mountains. Crawling up mountains. And the Lord's teaching me something about devotion to my brothers. And what I seen in the people there was a, a lack of 
devotion, not to their family members, because they had that, but to the family of God, and something that was missing in them, and that God was using us to restore in them, was uh, to pull them back together to the devotion of the family of God. What's funny is, uh, we all want to see the miraculous, and we don't realize the miraculous is something that's right here within us, and that's devotion to one another. Turn with me to Romans, chapter 12, verse 9. What the Lord showed me was was, where there was no fellowship, there was no family of God. And where there was no family of God, there was no fire. There was no fire among them. And so this is what God seeks to do, whether in your family, whether in the family of God, or whether in the nations. Is to separate you. And what we had and what we brought to that nation was not just faith and understanding that when we pray you will get healed. But that if we would love one another and go in one accord, one unity, one union, that the fire would fall down. In chapter 12, verse 9, it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And I like how it defines itself next. Honor one another above yourself. So what is brotherly love? Honoring, your, honoring others above yourself. And be devoted to them. Devotion. So as I'm climbing up a mountain, and climbing, and climbing, and climbing, we go as, as one team, as a, a brotherhood. And where, I, where the Lord drew where the Lord drove home this principle in me was uh, as I stopped being the last leg and maybe like you've seen on the video, dumped my head up into some water. I looked up and because I took too long, we had to follow the mules and well, I didn't follow the mules. And so as I'm climbing up this mountain, all of a sudden I have to catch up. So I'm doing it by myself. And what I realized is that what was once uh, not easy but doable, when I was doing it by myself, was ten times harder because I was by myself. And so I had got separated from the brothers. And so a seed of discouragement came in me. And because I was discouraged, it was ten times harder to climb that thing which I was climbing before. But then I round the corner, and one of my brothers had waited up for me. And all of a sudden, encouragement came in. When I realized encouragement was instant, it took a lot longer for that discouragement to go away, or go away than the encouragement to set in. But it did, and eventually it overcame, and I found a new power. Amen? Well, the Lord was teaching me as I'm in the Peruvian mountains, seeing people who never heard the gospel before with devotion to the family of God. Isn't that funny? There's a quote, we must live together as brothers or perish as, apart as fools. Really drove home and made me understand that brotherly devotion defeats discouragement at all times. So whether we're in Peru, where we're sitting in the, in the house of our family, we got to know that brotherly devotion, devotion to the family of God is powerful. It overcomes. We have to cling arms with one another. We have to stay as one. As one. Does God have to send you across uh, the world and to climb a wall and 
felt like a wall for days and days and days with teaching, or will you understand here, if you'll cling on with one another, that you'll become one family. But that one family will affect the nations. Devotion. That's what the Lord taught me. Buddy's going to share, and then we're going to go into worship. I would like to echo uh, something to kind of drive that home. Um, most of you know I'm a pretty determined fellow. Um, I would have made it down the mountain. I would have made it to San Juan de Chucho, which is where we met Roy. Uh, I might have made it to Tapai. There is absolutely no chance that I would have made it from Tapai to Fure without the brethren. Uh, in fact, many times I thought the only reason I'm not going to lay down and cry here is I don't want them to see it. And, um, you know, I was just hopeful that I was going to survive it. And then from a place called Yawar all the way back to uh, Cabana Conde, um, I, I think if I was driving in a car, it would have got tired. I mean, um, and there was one moment where we're all talking and having a good time, and we took the wrong trail. And I almost wanted to stay committed to the wrong trail because I had gone far enough on it that to repent and go back I thought was going to cost me too much. But what I didn't know is if I didn't repent and go back and pay that price of humiliation, the trail I was on never would have gotten me where I was going. Tell me that's not a metaphor. Come on, buddy. I'm new. Yes, I, that's what I was about to ask you. You said I'm new to the fellowship. Are you prophesying something here? Uh, before I start to share, I would like to say thank you to the church just for accepting me as a brother and my family. Um, last time I was on a mission trip with these guys, I was welcomed by uh, Big Al back there, and I felt like I was on a weekend retreat. And so this one here was not quite a retreat, I can guarantee you that. But uh, it's always good to see you guys. And I thank y'all, you know, for being on the, uh, on the mission field with us, praying for us. Because I can tell you, every time Eric gave us a word from uh, whether it was from Jennifer or just anybody else here, um, I instantly felt the Holy Spirit fall in and just gave us that encouragement that we all needed. Uh, because every day was rough. And so I, I truly thank you guys. And uh, I, I am blessed to be a part of your congregation. <laughs> All right, so I want to preface, preface my, uh, my scripture of uh, Ephesians 4.31, just to set a tone so you have a vision of what I'm explaining. When we went to uh, Roy's church to have our service that night, um, we were there, and uh, we did our service. We were able to pray for everybody and, and lay hands on each other and lay hands on the the people that came from the village. But at the end, we asked Roy to pray for us and to pray. And um, when I saw Roy get down on his knees, began to pray, and then he began to pray in the Spirit. And when he did, his hands literally started shaking uh, very uncontrollably as the Holy Spirit was falling in. And I was catching eye contact with Eric, and it really touched my heart because as a father, um, what we did not know was that you heard Eric say that uh, we prayed over a, a fellow that got uh, released of demons and things of that nature. Unknowing to us, that was Roy's son. 
We didn't find that out till about two or three days later. But while Roy was down praying, I thought to myself, um, as a father, I have seen my oldest daughter uh, get prayed for and get released of uh, drug addiction for uh, prescription drugs. I've also seen her get prayed for, uh, laid hands on for healing of uh, hip pain that's been for over a year. And so when I put all this together, I thought to myself, man, to see the power of God working not only in my life but in Roy's life and in here in the States and in Peru is just amazing because I could imagine what Roy was thinking. I mean, I could only imagine because I didn't talk to him. But to imagine what Roy must have been thinking whenever he was down on his knees praising God there in Peru in a small village that it took every inch of and every ounce of, of courage and, and strength that we had to muster up to get up that hill. Uh, that's, that was one of the most impactful things in my life uh, on that trip. And uh, I'm grateful for making every step of the way for the Lord to show me that. So let's look at um, Ephesians 4.31. It says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, Roy got to experience that with his son right there in the room. He saw his son repent and uh, give, his, give his life to the Lord and be set free of all these things, as well as I was able to do with my daughter. So it's very touching. We look in this scripture, two words really stand out to me. And um, as Eric had asked us all to prepare something for that schoolhouse, I was kind of like Brent. I'm glad I didn't get caught. <laughs> but uh, just as God would have it, he chose Brent too because he knew Brent's heart. Brent had a word, and he was, you know, his faith is strong enough that the Lord will take him through this. So he spoke, and uh, he gave a great word that night. So one of the words is all. It says, get rid of all bitterness. And um, so the Lord showed me, not only with Roy, but in my situation, and I want to share this with you guys, to help encourage all of you, that when, when he says get rid of all bitterness, he means just that. He means open up your heart. Lay it all down at his feet, at his throne room. Give it all up. Don't hold on to a little bit of it. Don't hold on to the strongholds in our life. Give it all away. Give it all up. Every single thing that we have that's holding us back from that very intimate relationship with God. Okay? The other word is every. Every form of malice. It doesn't say just this type of malice, that type of malice, this little thing, that little thing. He says every. So to me, those two words are kind of the same. Giving it all and every. So giving everything away to the Lord and giving it all to the Lord. Let him carry that burden for us, because we're not strong enough to do it ourselves. Praise God. Um, so I tell you guys this, because I want to encourage all of you to give it away, all. And I want each and every one of you brothers and sisters to help encourage each other, because as Mike was just sharing, um, it doesn't take us being all the way in Peru on a little two-foot trail where you can't see anybody, because we have those things happen here in our own life on our way to work on our way to the sanctuary, on our way here to praise God, and you're riding in the car by yourself. That's the same path where we can get lost and the enemy can sneak in if we don't give it all and if we don't give every part of it. 
So I encourage all of you to help walk side by side with each other. Um, that was kind of Eric's motto while we were on the trip. No one goes anywhere alone. Everybody goes in pairs. And uh, that's so true in the kingdom. We all need someone to rely on, even in the physical, because we all do rely on God spiritually. But we need someone to help encourage us here in the physical. So I say to you, refuse to be offended by what your brother or your sister may share with you. The reason they're sharing it with you is because they love you that much to see that you make it to the finish line with them. Amen? Um, I'll just finish up with two things. One is Matthew 4. You don't have to go there. But Jesus did say, like Judah was telling us earlier, um, come follow me. And so when he tells that to his disciples in Matthew 4, he says, stop what you're doing. Come follow me. And that's exactly what they did. It didn't matter where they were going, what they were doing. They dropped it all. They dropped everything. Again, those two words come back to my mind, all and every, um, which is exactly like Eric was saying. That's what Roy did for us. He laid it all down, and he left everything he had to follow Jesus because of what he was doing in his heart and to lead us through that canyon. And I truly believe if it wasn't for Roy, we probably would not have made it all the way through the canyon like, you know, like we had planned to. Because uh, I can tell you, when we looked at the map, boy, it looked great. But once we stepped foot on that canyon, it was a lot different. So uh, I say to you tonight, church, Continue to follow Jesus with your whole heart, not not half of it, not part of it, but open up your eyes, open up your ears, and open up your heart to God fully. Follow him and give it all to him and lay everything down. Amen? Thank you. Now, y'all, y'all don't faint here. Susan, would you put a scripture on the screen in the King Jimmy? This would be Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So somewhere in Peru right now, there is this poor drunk guy who is saying, you're not going to believe it, man. I got on a plane with my pornographic magazine, and I sat down between a nun and a pastor. Sounds like a joke, except that's that was our flight. I was the pastor. And... Uh, he leaned over and he said, you know, uh, it's bad enough there's a nun over here and you're a pastor, but, I, you know, I got the, and he's pointing to his pornographic magazine. I said, yeah, you're not going to get to read that. And uh, from the first flight, which was delayed seven and a half hours, to the last flight, which was delayed an hour and a half, and the president, or was it Minister of Interior? Who was, who was it? President of Peru came to the airport while we were there. God ordered our steps. He delayed the flights in Peru. You remember we told you there was a man of God in 1985 in the canyon? And everybody had backslidden. And the man of God stopped going to the canyon. But we found him in the city of Lima. And we got a chance to talk to him. Now, if you're thinking, oh, well, you know, uh, it must be a little town. Lima's as big as Houston. Okay? Uh, but... Phone calls were made. He showed up there to meet us. God orders our steps. But I need to show you something. Do you see the word good is in parentheses? That's because King Jimmy's translators were good enough to us to let us know that it doesn't really mean good. It's just the best way they knew to translate it. Uh, it literally is the word giver. It means valiant, mighty, brave, 
courageous. The steps of a mighty, brave, courageous man are ordered by the Lord. Doesn't that kind of go back to what Jude was saying? God will order your steps if you have the courage to step when he says step. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes he tells you to step and you don't see ground under your feet. That's just the way that it works. And you trust that he's telling you the right thing. We're going to worship a little while. Everything in my natural man wants to go home and go to sleep. Y'all blame me for that? But I think there's some steps we need to take together. I don't think the Lord wants to just heal in Peru. I really don't. I don't think he wants just to get hearts right in Peru. And as a pastor, as proud as I am of the church, and I am so proud of all that happened, you guys prayed here, and it showed up there. I mean, I know what it is to roll an an ankle. I was an athlete for most of my life. And you don't get healed while making a 13,000-foot ascent. That doesn't happen, but it did. Uh, Anybody that's ever had a toothache knows they don't get better in altitude. That that does not help a toothache. But it it got better. There's a woman named Magali, and how how great is that? My golly. She had internal belief. She was the woman in Luke that had an issue of blood. And the Peruvians are so polite. They don't know what to say it, how to say it. So they're saying she had her normal physiological function, but it's not normal. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't get it. No, I understood. When we prayed, she got healed. I want to tell you when somebody gets healed in Peru, what they do. So we're praying for it at 7:30 at night. The next morning before light, she has gone and cut the very best fruit that she has in her garden. Brent, what were those things? Cherimoya. Oh my goodness. She tithed fruit to say thank you. And then she went and told everybody she knew, and they organized a healing service because there was a demonstration of the gospel power. And her husband got right that night. His name was Freddie, and he got a study Bible. I can't tell you, everywhere you go, if you have the courage to step when he says step, the miraculous is there. I mean, it's there. You couldn't put us in a weaker, worse position than to have us climb mountains. You know? And yet that's somehow where God works the best. When you're literally thinking, I can't take another step, and then you round the corner and there's a village of people, you say, you know the thoughts go through your head. Now I need to kind of work something up. No, there's nothing left to work up. There's just nothing there. Shows up. So let's stand our feet. Let's worship some together. And let's just see what happens. I loved it in Peru. There was no order of service. I didn't know sometimes whether they were speaking in tongues or uh, speaking in Quechua or speaking in Spanish. The Holy Ghost did what the Holy Ghost wanted to do, and it was glorious. Amen.